Welcome to Quick Hits, the only podcast that gets you smartenized. Today's episode, Trying to Understand the Tea Party. Back in January of the year 2000, I put an article on the Hitman Chronicle called Time for a Tea Party. It was in response to New York State, where I live, implementing yet another enormous increase in our already high tobacco taxes. It noted that just as the colonists angry at taxation without representation, vandalized and destroyed tea by throwing it overboard into Boston Harbor, perhaps we should do something similar. And I wrote, it would be appropriate for a group of rowdy New Yorkers, angry at paying a 700% tax, to board the Capitol building in Albany and toss the legislators into the Hudson River. The pollution would set the river's cleanup back a few years, but it would be worth it to see the miscreants sinking slowly beneath the waves. Now, the article was about how to get around some of the tobacco taxes. And later on in it, I wrote, technically rolling your own isn't a tea party because the supplies are available retail and are not heavily taxed. But if enough smokers start doing this, you can be assured the politicians will implement punitive taxes on the bulk tobacco, the kits, the tubes, the box it comes in, the cellophane used to wrap the box, and the ink used to print the instructions. Be ready to start ordering from Indian reservations and overseas suppliers when it happens. You know, sometimes it sucks being right, because that's exactly what Obama did. He put in a 2,000%, actually 2,150% increase in roll-your-own tobacco, and he doubled or tripled the taxes on cigarette tubes and rolling papers. So there's yet another prediction that came true, although sometimes I'd really much rather be wrong. But anyhow, getting back to the Tea Party. Now that was 10 years ago, and now I'm recording this in February of 2010, toward the end of February, we have a Tea Party. It's not actually one Tea Party, there's a whole bunch of different Tea Parties and coalitions and groups, but it's a bunch of people who are tired of big government. Very loose coalition. And if you look at the people that make it up, it kind of reminds me of townhall.com. If you go to townhall.com, which is a website for conservative columnists, you will find really smart, really brilliant people like Thomas Sowell and John Stossel right next to mouth-breathing wingnuts like Ann Coulter and Cal Thomas. There's no filter there for quality of thought. And you see a lot of this in the Tea Party and in the conservative movement in general. Recently, the Conservative Political Action Committee, CPAC, had a convention, and there were some people up there that were just brilliant, and there were others that were just idiots. I thought it was encouraging, though, that they invited a gay group to participate, and one of the people that got up and disparaged the organization for doing that got booed off the stage. So that was actually pretty cool. But back to the Tea Party. The mass media would have us all believe that they're racists and rednecks and fundies who want a theocracy. 
And this is very easy for them to do because some of them do fit that category. I got to tell you, I, I just want to barf whenever I hear anybody say, this is a Christian nation. It was founded on Christian principles. And I just want to shake them and say, go read a history book. Hell, I'd buy them one if I thought that they'd read it instead of just chew on the covers. But is that the totality of the Tea Party? Is that a minority in the Tea Party or is it most of them? Or are most of them just regular folks who are sick and tired of the size and expense and intrusiveness of the federal government? Well, I've been involved in volunteer organizations, and these were not political organizations. These were arts organizations. So I sat on the boards of a couple of coffee houses, and I can tell you that in every case where you have volunteers, where you're asking people to come in and give freely of their time and their labor, you are going to attract a certain number of people that you would just rather not be anywhere around. Somewhere between 10 and 20% of the people that show up are going to be just creepy or losers or weird or just, just folks that you would normally cross the street to avoid. For instance, there was one creepy little character who, little nerdish, nebbish kind of guy, who would immediately hit on any woman who walked in the door and follow her around like a stalker and really freak people out. There was another woman who showed up for volunteer work who, given the slightest chance, would corner you and go into great detail about all the medical problems that she had with her genitalia. These are not the kind of people that you want to have anything to do with, but they do show up and they do insist on being part of what's going on. If you're lucky, maybe only 10% of them fit that category. If you're unlucky, you could have as many as 20%. They're hard to get rid of. Nobody really wants to get rid of them. They're volunteers, you know, and you don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But you always run the risk of having enough weird people that normal folks will come in, look at who they're working with, and just boogie. And although I never saw it happen, you could end up in a situation where you had nothing but the really strange, creepy little people left. And I'm wondering how that applies to the Tea Party. Are the wackaloons, the birthers and the truthers and the floridators and all of these people, are they 10% of the party? Are they the 10% of weirdness that shows up? Are they the 20%? This seems to be the bottom line in most organizations. Or are they the majority? The mass media, of course, would like you to believe that they're all that way. Every single one of them is a useless wackaloon. And it's actually pretty easy to do. Now, this fall, 70,000 people showed up to protest in Washington for a Tea Party demonstration. Now, if you get 70,000 people together, all carrying signs, how likely is it that some of those signs are going to be tasteless, racist, stupid, misspelled? Pretty high, I'd say. Hell, if you got 70,000 Buddhists or Quakers to have a protest, you'd probably be able to find a dozen stupid, idiotic, tasteless tacky 
signs. And the mass media showed the same dozen idiot signs, and they were idiot signs, there's no question about it. But they showed the same 12, 15 signs over and over and over again. And that was designed to make us think that that's what the Tea Party is all about. Is it? I don't know. The traveling Tea Party that was going around the country before they went to Washington came to Albany, and I intended to go, but something came up and I couldn't. Because I wanted to get there myself in the middle of it and get a feel for how many people were freakazoids and how many people were just normal fed-up folks. I know that when Ron Paul was running, I got involved with that campaign, and it was very discouraging to find that eh, maybe 15% of the people that were there were only there because they saw it as a way of limiting abortion. Ron Paul wants to return that to the states, and that was their only issue. And that really bothered me, because I can work with you toward a common goal, even if we have very, very different beliefs in other spectrums, But when your primary belief is to limit the rights of somebody else to make a life-changing decision, I'm going to have a hard time with that. So what is the future of the Tea Party? Well, first of all, the folks who think that it will actually become a viable third party are nuts. It's not going to happen. The Democrats and the Republicans have very carefully built barriers to make it absolutely impossible for a third party to get any traction whatsoever. It just simply doesn't happen. It's not going to happen. It can't happen. I think it's happened once in my lifetime that somebody from a third party got a major win, and that was for Jesse Ventura when he ran as governor of Minnesota. And I wouldn't be surprised if they changed their rules immediately so that it couldn't happen again. Because that's what happens. If if any third party seems to get traction, or even if some minority candidate seems to get traction, they simply change the rules, move the goalposts. For instance, for the presidential debates, the rule used to be you needed 5% of the vote in the primaries to get into the debate. But then when people like Ron Paul And on the other side, Dennis Kucinich started to get some attention and some traction. They changed the rules to make it 15%. Because the mass media loves the status quo. Always has, always will. So the Tea Party is not going to become a viable third party. Nobody's going to become a viable third party. Not in our lifetimes, I don't think. But what they can do is they can influence voters and they can influence Republicans. The second podcast I ever did was Rational Republicans. It was a call to Republicans to start embracing rationality and to go after the disenfranchised people who really like small government, but not theocracy. Because, folks, you can have a theocracy or you can have a small government, but you can't have both. They are mutually exclusive. Now, time will tell what will happen with the Tea Parties. As I say, this is February of 2010. A year from now, we'll have a better idea. I kind of hope they don't become an organized party because I think if they do, they will die. But if they remain a loose coalition of people that are upset and annoyed and angry with the size and complexity and intrusiveness of government, maybe they can do some good.
as long as they don't get overtaken by the wingnuts. And that's it for this episode of the Quick Hits Podcast. If you've learned a little something, if you've changed your mind, or even if you can just understand a different point of view without necessarily agreeing with it, congratulations. You've been Smartinized. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been a long time between podcasts. Hey, I've been busy. What can I say? Actually, I haven't been busy. I've been doing other things. Getting distracted. But no, I'm not planning on pod fading. Although I don't know if anybody actually plans on doing that. Send me your questions. I'm getting some interesting questions for Ask Dave. Some tough ones. But don't be afraid to send me some whimsical ones, too. Hitman at DaveHit.com And of course, if you're into vampires... If you're into action, humor, sex, blood, and gore, be sure to check out Blood Witness, the free audio book by me at bloodwitness.com. And stop by davehit.com, spelled with two T's, for a whole bunch of stuff. A lot of older stuff, but a blog that's fairly regularly updated and lots of other good stuff, old historical stuff as well. I guess that's it, so nothing's left except for me to remind you that the Quick Hits Podcast is little more than a journal of one man's opinion, and therefore should not be taken too seriously. Seriously.